0: I'm willing to throw it all in there and lay it on the line. I take pride in what I do, you know. I just try to go out and play as hard as I can.
1: CCR number 88, December 2nd,
2: 2009. This edition of Cat Crave Radio is brought to you by the Panthers Outlaw Forum, the place for uncensored, no-holds-barred Carolina Panthers discussion. If you're ready for an honest discussion of your Carolina Panthers, visit the Panthers Outlaw Forum at sillyangel.proboards.com. The Angelo Williams 30. 25
1: 10 five, hot 89's in the building Still on a mission, though. Still on a
2: mission Welcome to the show created and produced by fans for the fans of the Carolina Panthers. This is Cat Crave Radio. Coming up in this episode we are joined by Charlotte Observer columnist Tom Sorensen. Nick Yeoman is back to provide the fans' perspective. We have a visit with the enemy. Legendary Carolina Panther Mike Minter is back for another installment of the Minterview. And we have a recap of the loss to the Jets.
0: Just gets it off. Slant up the middle. And
3: it's tipped and intercepted on a deflection picked off by Revis. Down the right sideline to the 40. He's at the 30. Being chased by DeLone to the 20, 10, 5. Touchdown!
2: At the right hash mark. Baker ready, good snap, good placement. Casey swings his leg. The kick has got the
3: distance, and it's good. Sanchez under center, Thomas Jones at the offset eye. Handoff. off Jones, running right, Cuts it back to the left. Bounces towards the goal line. Is he in? Yes! Touchdown, Jets!
0: It'll be a 28-yard field goal attempt, John Casey, from the left
2: hash mark. Snap, spot, line drive, kick. Got it.
3: 47-yard field goal attempt by Feely from the right half. The snap good, the placement good, the kick on the way. Plenty of distance, and it is good! The final score here at the Meadowlands, the Jets
2: 17, the Panthers 6. Now, bubble your chin straps because it's time for kickoff. Here is your host for CCR, John White. Question,
1: is it time to stick a fork in this season? Welcome to another edition of Cat Crave Radio. Thanks for making us a part of your day. Frustration, disappointment, shoot, downright anger. I mean, how many emotions are Panthers fans feeling this week? Not only did Jake DeLome throw four more interceptions, but he broke his finger to boot. The offense managed less than 100 yards by halftime, only 179 for the game. Add to that the measly 11 first downs, and it's pretty easy to see why they lost to the New York Jets. The defense did their job, recovering two fumbles and intercepting Mark Sanchez once. Thomas Jones had a decent day with 75 yards, but if you're going to pin this one on anybody, don't look at the D. They actually did their jobs. Now at 4-7, and seven, the season is ready to go on ice, and we can all start thinking seriously about next year and beyond. So instead of beating this dead horse and throwing out stats, let's just step aside for the fans.
4: Hello! 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 Hello, hello! hello.
2: It's time for Panthers fans to sound off.
0: Yeah, uh, this is J. A. i I'm a huge Panthers fan, but uh, Jake DeLone with John Fox, you gotta go. I understand what's going on out there. Um, A lot of speculation that Jeff Davidson's calls are going through John Fox. And John Fox, you know, he's a conservative guy, so looks like they need to go. Um, Good luck next year.
1: If you want to give us a call on the CCR hotline, pick up your phone and dial 206-350-9673. Let us know what you think. I mean, it's been a tough season for all of us. So let your feelings be heard on the CCR hotline at 206-350-9673. The standings, yeah, you know, they don't look so good. The Panthers are so far behind the Saints, they can't see them anymore. I mean, what does it matter now? Let's just hope things don't look quite so bad on Sunday when they host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers.
2: Overall, offensively, I think uh, you know, we got to look hard at who's out there and what we're doing and uh, get better. I think we'll look at the whole offense. You know, I think at the end of the day, you know, we weren't productive enough to win, and so you know, that's what we'll do.
0: For whatever reason, we're not playing good football, um, you know. And I can't worry about everybody else. I'm, I can worry about me, and I'm not, um, you know. And uh, I'm, you know. I know it's not a, how <laughs> much you want to hear you <laughs> working on me. It's not like it's lack of work, or lack of uh, time put in. I know that.
1: It's time for the Panther preview. We mixed messages. One second the coach says we didn't execute, and he says, well, we executed well enough to win right, and then and then we've got Jake saying, you know, well, he's kind of chuckling to himself, I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. Okay, joining us, as always, it's our old friend Nick, Yeoman. Nick, what's up, Yeoman? Oh,
3: better days, John. We have seen better days, but I'm good. I'm good. Sometimes you just gotta to bite the bullet and realize that sometimes your football team's just not gonna be very good.
1: You know what, I think right now, if if I bit the bullet, it'd probably go off and then blow my brains out. So I, I don't want to bite any bullets.
3: <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you.
1: Well, get this. Okay. this was, and I'm, I was out there, and, and I know you were too. This seems to be kind of a new hangout. A lot of people hit forums, and it seems now one of the big hangouts is Twitter. Everybody's hanging out over there, and just, you know, they're venting about the team. And I saw one that came up, and I couldn't help but steal it. Okay, it says here... This is a joke stolen from the press box. This is courtesy of uh, Bill Voth, who's the sports anchor at WSOC. That's uh, the ABC affiliate in Charlotte. This was via Twitter. He said, The Panthers should run a wide receiver behind every intended wide receiver. That way, when Jake throws high, someone will be there.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I stole that one and... And I kinda of followed up with my own. I, I asked all the Panthers fans if they knew what Jeff Lewis and Damian Craig and, and some of these guys what the Randy Fasani I wanted to know what they've been up to because yeah, another dreadful performance from Jake Delone. But I like that idea. Maybe we run, you know, run a trips offense with three wide receivers and as long as Jake can throw it in the general area, somebody's gonna come down with it.
1: Yeah, but if it comes down in between receivers then, you know, a D B gets it, you know.
3: Well, but, you know, we're used to that, so I guess it, it can't hurt trying, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. And we go from bad to worse. You know, fall to 4-7, and seven, lose to the Jets, and, the, you know, things can't look any worse. I mean, you come up with less than 180 yards of offense in 60 minutes of football. You find out on Monday that Jake has a <coughs> broken finger on his throwing hand, and the very same day, you find out that John Beeson is up on charges. Yay!
3: Yeah, I, on, it was one of those days, you know, where you go, you go weeks and months without any big news, and then, boy, uh, the hammer was dropped on Monday. The, the Jake Colomb injury—I know, boy, it's just it's working out so convenient for John Fox and Marty Herney to make a decision without having to make a decision where, you know, yeah, we stuck with Jake DeLome for way too long, and yeah, instead of stepping up, making a decision, and and actually benching him for the better of this team and for the future, well, we can fall back on this injury. I, I don't understand it, and I don't really know if i buy that, and then, boy, this Beason deal, uh, kind of out of nowhere, because this is a guy that You know, all indications were a great character, played with fire on the field, you know, was a stand-up guy. And to hear about this, it's kind of interesting. It sounds like the guy that he was involved with during this incident was was one that's, that's gotten to some trouble before. And uh, I guess like he, he was an assault charge with a woman, he, uh, he wrote a faulty check, so this guy might have been looking for trouble, but John Beeson's got to know better than to get involved with stuff like this. But yeah, really a, a shocking day on Monday.
1: And I started to use the 7th Floor Cruise song, and I got to thinking, there's not enough time in a day to edit out all the language, so I won't use it, and, and, and I, I, I didn't, but... We get that ugliness, and the odd thing is that, you know what, that this happened after the Atlanta game, not after they got back to town from New York, not after they lost to Miami sometime in that long 10-day window between games. This happened weeks ago, I mean, uh, you know, middle of November, and we're just now hearing about it. It blows my mind, but we get that ugliness after, I don't know, I, I'll just put it this way. One of the ugliest things I've ever witnessed. This was one of the most pathetic experiences I've ever had in my life watching a football game. Is that the worst thing you've seen since the days of Winky and Seifert?
3: Yeah, it was just horrible. I mean, offensively, they they couldn't get anything to work on the ground. Jake, I don't think Jake threw a good pass that entire game, and I know that he completed a few, but just off-target, the interceptions... No effort, really, in many many instances. Late in the game and early in the game, it was. I'm with you. One of the ugliest games I've seen in a long time. I don't know how
4: the Panthers managed to score
1: six points. You know what, though? It's funny. I mean, okay, so Jake played a a terrible game, and and for my money, you're playing the Eagles. You know, first game of the season, I would sort of expect him to make a couple of mistakes with the pressure they put on you. But for God's sake, you're playing the Jets. You know, these are not the Eagles. They're not the Cowboys. They're not even the Cardinals. They're the Jets. And yet, you know, we can't do anything. But it just, if for some reason it just, it looks disjointed. I mean, maybe it's play calling. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're going to keep playing the company line. You know, well, no, we're, we're still the team. And does it look to you like it does to me that they've just said, (laughs) we've checked out
3: yeah they they don't look like they're a team anymore i I don't know what it is, and John, if if you and I could find the answer you know, we could get hired tomorrow of what's wrong with this team. So, you know, all we can do is speculate. There's a lot of things, though. I mean, there's numerous things you can go down the list. Well, is it play calling? Is it Jake Galone? Is it this new defensive system? Is Julius not motivated? Is it the injuries? And I think probably the logical answer is it's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little more of this, and it all adds up to a 4-7 and seven season and, and missing the playoffs. It's it's just, boy, that Arizona game. It has been downhill, and uh, if Monday proved anything, when you come out and hear about Jake Delhomme's finger and and the John Beeson incident, it's just this downward slope for this organization from what looked to be such a promising time that they had something really built for it to completely spiral in the other direction. It's just, boy, it's sad to watch, and uh, and and there's not a lot of answers for it right now.
1: I have you on here every week. You you're nice enough to join the show and and give us your thoughts but before i ask this next question i mean it looked to me like the defense i mean you, you know thomas jones had a at a fairly good day 75 yards but you know we we got ourselves an interception on a gorgeous catch by gamble two fumble recoveries and the defense held their own but i'm asking you this question <laughs> instead of me giving the grade i'm going to let you give the defense a grade no
3: on the exact same page as you I I would give the defense a B I didn't think they played too bad they forced some turnovers which playing against the Jets offense that got some shaky spots especially with the young quarterback you got to expect and you got to plan on forcing some turnovers and they did just that and uh they only you know 17 points scored and seven of those were on a pick six I, I didn't think the defense played too bad uh you know there were holes here and there but when you consider that Thomas Davis has been out and they had to, you know, shuffle the linebackers around and they're still not getting a lot of pass rush, I think the defense didn't play that bad.
1: And now here we go. Your chance to really let it all hang out. Let's grade the offense, sir.
3: Well, you you can take a wild guess. It's an F, and it can't be anything but an F. Jake Delhomme's play was just horrible. The running game, I, I couldn't, I, I couldn't imagine. I don't know why the running game couldn't get going because as, as we just talked about, Chris Jenkins has been out for a majority of the season for the New York Jets. So maybe the Jets just schemed this well or maybe the Panthers did what they do best and that shoot themselves in the foot. But the execution was not there. The game plan was not there. The play calling was not there. And, and it results in six points scored and, and certainly deserves an F grade.
1: Well, let's take a break right here. Coming up, we're going to talk to Tom Sorensen. We've got a visit from the enemy straight out of Tampa, Florida. And we'll also be uh, joined by uh, Mike Minter for the Minterview a little later on in the show. But when we come back, Nick and I are going to take a look ahead to the big game against Tampa Bay. That is, if
2: we can stand it. There's more Cat Crave Radio coming up. The Fansided.com Sports Network. You play to win the game. Where diehard fans dish out nonstop news and views on their favorite teams. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? Fandom has no off season. So he sucks you guys right in. So consider yourself sucked. Neither do we.
4: Now, if you want to crown them, then crown them. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook.
2: Fansided.com. The number one pro sports blog network on the internet. It's time once again for the
1: game that's sweeping the nation. It's time for Boomer Bust. Joining us, it is Nick Yeoman. Nick, are you ready to play the game?
3: I am ready to play the game, John.
1: Let's start you with Donovan McNabb versus the Falcons.
3: Yeah, Donovan McNabb, uh, up and down season all year, but he has those weapons to put up Big numbers against just about anybody, uh, and against a subpar defense, McNabb should shine. Atlanta, 23rd in the league in passing yards giving up, which means a lot of fantasy points for Mr. McNabb. So I think he will be a boom.
1: Matt Fort versus the Rams.
3: Well, when you're when you're going through a sophomore slump like Matt Forte is, it helps to face a defense that gives up 148.5 rushing yards per game. With Jay Cutler forcing the ball as much as he has, I think you'll see the Bears attack St. Louis on the ground, which should mean a big day for Matt Forte.
1: Tom Brady versus the Dolphins.
3: But, you know, Brady faced the Dolphins in early November, and Miami held him to just one touchdown. They picked him off once as well. I think Brady plays well the second time around, though, on the road. These young DBs that the Dolphins have, they did a good job slowing down Jake Delhomme. But I'm afraid it's a whole different story when you're going up against booming Tom Brady and the New England Patriots.
1: Some of the coolest dreads in the league, Marion Barber versus the Giants.
3: Well, he's got some cool dreads, but I'm partial to D'Angelo. <laughs> the New York Giants, they still have a pretty good rushing defense despite not doing much else right during this season that's been nothing short of a disappointment for a lot of the Giants fans. As for Barber, though, he, he really hasn't put up the big numbers this year. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's, he's splitting carries with the Shard Choice and Felix Jones. I think that's going to continue, and uh, Barber will be a bust on Sunday.
1: Philip Rivers versus the Browns.
3: Boy, I would be shocked if Philip Rivers is not a boom this weekend against the Browns. Cleveland, to nobody's
1: surprise, is 31st in total defense in the league, which sets up nicely for Norm Turner to let Rivers air it out and find success he'll boom. Adrian Peterson versus the
2: Cardinals.
3: Uh, The Cardinals defense really dictates how this team plays. I mean, one week they can't stop the run, one week they can, uh, but whether they show up or not, I don't think it's going to be tough to slow down Adrian Peterson either way. The only person who can stop Peterson is himself. He does have the most fumbles of any running back in the last two years, but of course, nobody brings that up. He'll still boom against Arizona.
1: And moving on to our most thrilling matchup against the Bucks, Kellen Winslow versus our Panthers defense.
3: Well, and part of the reason that Tampa Bay has been playing a little bit better football despite the lack of wins is that Kellen Winslow has emerged as a great target for Josh Freeman. Winslow is averaging 70 yards on six catches in the last three games. The reason he's a bust this weekend, though, is that he hasn't reached the end zone in any of those three games, and he wasn't anything special against Carolina when they played back in October. He only had three catches, so I think He'll be a bust again.
1: Steve, I am not an asset to this team. Smith versus the Bucks.
3: I, I can't imagine how frustrated Smithy must be after a game where Darrell Revis caught more passes from Jake DeLome than he did. I think, I'd like to think that Steve Smith can, can boom against Tampa Bay, but if you remember back to the game that they played in October, Steve only caught one pass for four yards. I see more of the same. I think Steve's struggling season continues. He's a bust.
1: Josh Freeman versus the Panthers.
3: Well, Josh Freeman has given Tampa Bay fans hope that they have a quarterback, that they can build a team around. But I just don't see Freeman playing big in his first game against a division rival. He could make a name for himself by going out and beating a hated team like the Carolina Panthers. But the Panthers' secondary is just solid enough to prevent that from happening. I think Freeman
0: is a bust as well on Sunday.
1: Throwing on the brakes here, I know I asked you about Jake DeLome in the notes I sent you, so I'm going to give you a choice here. Who plays better, Jake's Finger or Matt Moore versus the Bucks?
0: Boy, I'll tell you what, Jake's Finger's
3: going to get a lot of work out. You know, he saw the hand specialist, but I think Jake's hand is still a bust. I think Matt Moore, he's probably a bust as well. He, you know, we just went through all these, the Panthers and Buccaneers players and all the offensive guys are all bust. Does that tell you anything about this game this Sunday, John?
1: Yeah, this is going to be an instant classic.
3: It's going to be ugly. I don't, I don't see anyone on the offense booming. <laughs> and uh, no matter who's a quarterback, it looks like it's probably going to be Matt Moore. I'm excited to see what he can do, uh, but statistically I wouldn't expect much from Matt Moore, especially with that offensive line. So I think he's a bust, Jake's a bust, and anybody that's on offense for these teams is probably going to be a bust as well.
1: I think we're on NFL replay on Wednesday, but that—that that, hey, that's just me. But, uh, Nick, we do appreciate you playing the game with us once again.
3: Hey, no problem, John. Remember, that Cleveland-Detroit game early in the year was a thriller. Maybe the Panthers and Pucks got one of those coming up
0: as well.
2: Whether you love us or hate us, we want to hear from you. Tell us what's on your mind at Radio at gmail.com. Again, that's Radio at gmail.com. Now back to more CCR.
1: And welcome to part two of the Panther Preview. You know, the part we call a preview that's actually a review and a preview. That one. We're still with Nick Yeoman. Nick looking ahead. It's a home game at B of A. And the hated Buccaneers come to town. Though it's hard to hate a loser. They've gone to the youngster, Josh Freeman. Their second Josh at the same position in the same season. And, uh, well, big kid. Pretty decent arm, makes some mistakes, but is he a concern for you?
3: He has to be a little bit because he he hasn't he hasn't shown that he's afraid to throw the ball around, and I, I think that's what you like if you're Raheem Morris and if you're a Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan is that Josh Freeman stepped up. the man it's been a it's been a bad season for Tampa Bay, and make no mistake about it. But Josh Freeman has stepped in and he has taken a bit of a leadership role, and and boy, I see that he's made some throws this year. He can really sling the rocks, so I think it's not something you can't just go into this game thinking, well, we're not worried about him because I think the Panthers. Kind of thought that when they played Josh Johnson the first time around, and I didn't think Josh Johnson looked too bad against the Panthers. So uh, no matter what Josh it is, I, I think you have to take into account who's playing quarterback because if you're not, he can hook up because he's got some good targets. Kellen Winslow quietly having a really good season. Antonio Bryant's a good wide receiver as well. So, yeah, I think this Tampa Bay passing game, it's nothing nothing impressive statistically, but you definitely have to watch out for Josh Freeman because he can throw the ball.
1: Young head coach Raheem Morris – that's been. <laughs> that's about as ugly as it can get. But I still gotta know. I mean, can our coaches outcoach Raheem Morris?
3: <laughs> you know you would. Oh, good lord! You would hope so. You really could hope so. But I don't know. If the last two or three weeks have shown us anything, is that I don't know if Jeff Davidson, John Fox. I don't know if they can outcoach anyone right now because the game plans and the execution and the play calling has just been awful. So, you know, you would ask me at the beginning of the season a new head coach in Raheem Morris who was just boy, he wasn't saying the right thing to the media. He had Tampa Bay fans are scratching their heads and the Panthers were coming off the twelve and four season. I would that would have been an easy answer that heck yeah they can outcoach him. But I really I really don't know the answer to that one right now, John.
1: Well and the Bucks are coming off a couple of really kind of some tough losses. A really tough loss against Miami. Played better this past Sunday and still lost, but they did have the upset against the Packers since the last time we saw them back in week six. I mean, close losses, I mean, and one win. Do you think there's enough improvement there that we see a, a different team in those Tampa uniforms and maybe a different outcome?
3: Oh, I think there's enough of an improvement there. And when you consider... You know they gave Carolina a heck of a game earlier in the season. The Panthers had to score a touchdown with with about 30 seconds to go just to win that game. So yeah, I mean they're one in 10. And the, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneer fans that I've talked to, they don't make any excuse about it. They're not having a good season. But when you are having a disastrous season like they are. Uh, they're kind of different from the Panthers fans. We're trying to pick ourselves off the ground and figure out what the heck's going on. They're moving on and starting to look at, at how this team can get better. And I think that that really—I mean—that translates to what this what the Tampa Bay Buccaneer team is doing because they are—you know—they they have only won one game this year, but they are—they're making incremental improvements week in, week out. I mean, they got throttled by New Orleans a couple weeks ago, but the Saints are doing that to a lot of people. But, yeah, you mentioned the Miami game, the Atlanta game. They're getting there. They're close. And, uh, yeah, I, I expect them to get Carolina a heck of a game.
1: Well, just I'm going off the page here with this, but I have. You, you mentioned some of the, the Bucks fans, and I know there are a lot of those guys over on YouTube that are probably hitting you with video after video. And one of those video makers is uh, Derek, who is also known as Old School, an old friend of yours and mine. And I've kind of challenged him that if you know if he wants to come to Charlotte, we'll go do a, a, a like a full walkabout all the way around the stadium and hit every tailgate. And you know, Bucks fans can yell at me and vice versa. I mean, it'd be you know, it it'd be kind of cool. So we'll see if that uh, if it works out. You know, if you could be in town, I mean, we could use the ammunition.
3: Oh, well, I, I know you could. And they got a they got a good fan base there. Those Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans. I haven't. Uh making the videos interactive interacting. I haven't had any, any problems with the Buccaneers fans. A lot of good guys over there. And and, uh, and yeah, old school and I, we've talked about it. Boy, it's just, it's incredible where these two teams were on a Monday night, you know, last year in Charlotte battling for the division and a chance to, to if they, you know, control their own destiny to get a potential a first round by in the playoffs and maybe even home field advantage throughout and and it is kind of sad that both of these fan bases have a combined five wins on the season. So, yeah, a lot of good good fan base there in Tampa Bay, and uh, and I know you'll treat them right up there.
1: Yeah, I hate to say this, um, but I'm not really a big fan of this whole parody up-and-down thing anyway, but that's off the subject. Let's, um, <laughs> as if there's any reason to do this, our defense, uh, whoever is left out there that's not on crutches versus the Bucks' offense...
0: Yeah, I mean that's, no,
3: that's a good point. I, I don't know who I don't know who's going to suit up a linebacker. I thought they just signed the Panthers just signed somebody from the Rams I'd never heard of. So yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. Whoever's out there, uh, I think a lot of it you got to get some pass rush. I think Julius Peppers needs to step up. And if we've seen anything in these meaningless games, this is where Julius Peppers usually pads his stats. So I expect Peppers to play well for the defense.
1: And then we've got our offense. Got a rumor of an offensive line, especially after Gross went out with what we thought was a broken ankle, but actually turned out to be a broken leg. You know, I think we should either call them the vapors or you know the fog. I'm not sure because that's about as much as you know resistance as they put up against defenses. But that bunch (laughs) against the Bucks defense, I don't know why I want to laugh, but I do.
3: Yeah, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a struggle up on on the offensive line for the Panthers and they got to give Matt more time to let him show everybody what he might be capable of. But, you know, the game plan for the Panthers John, it's the same thing every week and I don't know why we only see it half the time. It's like beating a dead horse. It's run the ball. It's run the ball. Get D'Angelo and Jonathan Stewart going. You remember how how great the Panthers looked in the fourth quarter against Tampa Bay earlier in the season where they ran the ball. I don't know, was it 15 out of 16 plays, something along those lines? It was over 90% of the plays in that final drive all the way down the field to win the game. So they got to establish the run. And then we'll see. Maybe let Matt Moore open it up. He's got to find some guys other than Steve Smith that can get open. If you remember back back when Matt Moore did start a little bit, Dante Rosario was a guy that saw a lot of balls come his way. So maybe Dante Rosario can step up. Maybe Gary Barnage as well to uh, help the passing game for Carolina.
1: Well, we know we love our team, but we hate the pain that they're putting us through right now. So does the pain continue? What is your prediction?
3: Uh, my prediction, I think the Panthers pick up a win. I, I hope the home crowd is behind them. Part of me is as sadistic and depressed as I am about this team. It's just like, oh, forget it. They're probably just going to end up losing to Tampa Bay, which will be rock bottom. That would be absolute rock bottom but I think they can put a a decent performance together enough to get past Tampa Bay, but it's going to be close. You better believe it's going to be right down to the wire. I think Carolina gets out to an early lead, Tampa Bay fights back, and I think the Panthers hold on and probably win by about a field goal.
1: I'm tipping my hand. I know later in the show I always do a prediction, but I'm glad to know there's one optimistic Panthers fan out there. But, uh, (laughs) Nick, as always, we appreciate you being with us for the preview and if we can get you to stick around for a pickem, sir, we'll uh, well, we'd appreciate it.
3: Hey, thanks, John. I will.
2: This is Cat Crave Radio. Joining us now is Charlotte Observer columnist Tom Sorensen.
1: Tom, as always, a pleasure to have you with us.
5: A pleasure to be here, and a pleasure to be back from
1: uh, Newark. Just just landed. Yeah, I've been through Newark. I know it's um, it's an experience, but wow, where to begin? Um, the last few weeks have not been real pleasant for the Panthers. And something that, and, and I probably over uh, overdid it last week, uh, talking about the play calling, it, it has just not been good. And that's really being kind. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I have been corrected on this, that, you know, the plays, maybe, maybe what we see the offense running, maybe that's a Jeff Davidson play. But it's got Fox's fingerprints on it. Do we do we point the finger at Davidson or do we point it at Fox or both?
5: Well, you know, it's it's Fox is parameters for the offense. I mean, right now around the league, Dan Henney is getting accolades in Miami for being creative. when Dan was in Charlotte, he got he fans booed him for being conservative. And I mean fans were were so thrilled when he got run out of town. And it's you know, John sets the parameters, and the assistants work within those parameters. I, I didn't find the play call, especially egregious. I mean, it was conservative, but, you know, they just didn't do anything. You know, I mean, there's Smith wide open on... Uh, I like the idea of going long on first down, and the Panthers did that, and everything worked, and Smith's open, and Jake just underthrows them. And But they did it. You know, we're, we're they just break down. I mean, they did such a terrible job of picking up the blitz, and, and, and it just... Just doesn't work. And I did get an email. I checked during the game. There's one Panther fan, and I've been writing for a long time. It's not very good. And one Panther fan wrote, You know, you're right. I finally accepted that not very good. And I just went, Thank you. I don't need you to agree with me, but I, I wanted this guy to.
1: And finally, he saw the light. You mentioned Jake underthrowing Smitty. Uh, we've seen that happen before this season. Uh, a time or two when they've tried to go deep to Moose. We've seen. A couple of passes that were late on on a, on out routes when you know, and that's that's some, one of the most basic plays in the in any passing game in the NFL. So you wrote on Sunday that there really was no excuse for Jake's performance. But can I ask you? I mean, do you think Jake is just physically done?
5: No. Oh no 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 no. I mean, it. it you know, you see Favre and Kurt Warner and. Jake is a guy who has less wear and tear than some because, you know, for a lot of years he was a, a, a practice quarterback. He was, he, he really was a veteran in terms of age by the time he emerged as a starter for the Panthers. I, I don't think he's done physically. I mean, you saw what he did against New Orleans. You saw what he did against Arizona when he when he had to be good and he was on. But there's just confidence. That he is you know, a lot of times the skill level between these teams is not marked, not dramatically different. But some believe and some don't, and I think that Jake and a lot of the Panthers have
1: forfeited the right to believe. So you think maybe they've, maybe they've just kind of lost faith in him or the coaching staff? I mean, how, do you think they've they've started to to question their their loyalty to, to the guys around them in the locker room, the coaches, everybody?
5: I haven't seen any manifestations of that. I meant Jake had lost confidence in himself. Okay. Quite what he says. Um, you know, if I write a good column, then I think, good, I'm going to write another good column. If I write a bad column, then it's like, oh, man, I can't do that again. And, and I think no matter what we do for a living, that, that plays into it. And I think confidence creates confidence. You know, the defense at every right yesterday they say, offense, what are you doing, man? You cost us a game, and you cost us whatever remote shot we had at the playoffs. But I don't know if it's that kind of team. I don't know, I, I've don't. i not heard anybody say that. I, you know, I look at the leaders, and the look at Beeson and then Harris, yeah, I don't, I don't hear them saying that.
1: All right, well, the options are slim, if any, frankly. I mean, it's Jake, basically, or Matt Moore, you have to figure. I mean, A.J. Feely doesn't seem to even be in the picture at this point. Do you think the coaching staff has any confidence in Matt Moore, or do you think because this is the last year of his contract, they're thinking of him as a, a cap casualty?
0: I think that if
5: they believed in Matt Moore, Matt Moore would have played by now. I mean, I think if Josh McCown had been healthy, Fox would have benched Jake back when he had his previous sports moment. Uh, I think that, uh, I just think, yeah, I just don't think Matt Moore is the guy. And I think if he comes in this Sunday, which is uh, certainly if I didn't get back in time to talk to Fox today, I don't know what he said, but starting Moore Sunday is certainly a possibility. If he does, it will be He'll have more to do with Jake than with Moore. I mean, it will just be plug Moore in for a couple games and then when Jake is less fragile
1: than Jake. I'll throw you a couple of statements. You tell me if you agree or disagree. First, the consensus really seems to be that if John Fox gets this team back to eight and eight, or in even maybe even seven and nine, considering the problems they've had, that it's quite possible that his job is safe. But let's say we we have a five and eleven or six and ten finish. He has no job security. Agree or disagree?
5: I don't think he has job security regardless. I mean I wrote I've written twice this season that I thought that, that Fox was out and I I, I, mean, I don't think he'll be back next season. I don't know this, nobody's told me that but based on everything I know about the organization, I would anticipate that, that John is not return next season.
1: Now that would mean what? Like it, was it a five or a s six million dollar buyout, I think, on his contract?
5: Yeah, it would cost him a little bit. And and you know, next year, um, the team is wary about money, I mean, because next year there's no salary cap, at least at this championship. Then after next year there's Armageddon because, you know, that's when the lockout, unless uh, there's a dramatic shift, occurs. So I think a lot of the small market teams are being a little bit careful, you know, just trying to be a little bit wise with their money, and I think Panthers are and will be one of them.
1: Okay, and finally, agree or disagree beyond even John Fox are we witnessing the beginning of the end of an era in Carolina
5: yeah they're going to have to make some changes I mean I don't think I think Kearney will come back next week, but you know you're going to have to shake things up I mean, you like that first round choice so you're going to have to be a little bit creative I mean you look at what you, what, what do you have to trade and you, you look at, at what the options are you have to look at everybody you have to look at Steve Smith you, you have two good running backs you have to look at Jonathan Stewart you, you have to do that and I think I think the Panthers will do that and no one is implied that they would, no one has said that they would, but just as as, as a guy who looks at the personnel and what they have and what the options are, I would think that that certainly has to be part of the discussion. And, you know, it, certainly some of the leaders will be back, uh, among them decent, and there's some young talent there, among them D'Angelo, and, and you, know, it, you know, I don't know if Julius is back. Uh, I doubt he's back, and uh, uh, Thomas Davis, I hope he's back, uh, and it'll just be interesting to see what and how they spend their money and what they do to enhance the roster. Because they they've got to do something.
1: And that's always the saddest part, I guess, is that you, you feel like you've started the off season five or six weeks early, and after Sunday's loss to the Jets, I think our off season has started. It's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. But Tom, again, we do appreciate you being with us this week and and talking some football with us. Anytime. Have a good week. More
2: Cat Crave Radio is on the way.
5: this is Carl Edwards here for RAD, the entertainment industry's voice for road safety. You want to make a difference? It's simple. Be responsible. Plan ahead. Designate before you
4: celebrate. Friends don't let friends drive drunk.
2: A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
1: It's time to pick some games. It's time for the Pick'Em segment. With us is Nick Yeoman. You all know him from YouTube. Nick, you had a really good week last week. Uh, you went 11 up, 5 down, and for the season you are 118-58. and 58. Not so bad. Not
3: so bad at all, but one of those times that I did miss was the Panthers game, so I'm a little
1: upset about that. Well, it will do a curb your enthusiasm. It's pretty, uh, pretty, uh, pretty good. That yeah, is what it is, you know. We'll start you with Jets and
2: Bills.
3: Yeah, both of these teams riding high after wins last week, which, uh, you know, have been hard to come by for both of these teams. This game, of course, being played north of the border, up in Toronto, which levels the playing field and gives Buffalo absolutely no home field advantage. Mark Sanchez has been pretty up and down in America. I think he'll be good enough to get the win for the Jets in Canada.
1: The Eagles and the Falcons.
3: I just don't think the Falcons are healthy enough to compete with Philadelphia this Sunday without Matt Ryan and Michael Turner. This is just the shell of the real Atlanta team. And when you factor in that the Falcons' secondary can't cover anybody, it should be a nice day for the Eagles and route to another victory. Rams and Bears. Well, Bears head coach Lovie Smith was, of course, the defensive coordinator back in 2001 when St. Louis had a decent team. I don't think I don't think his current team, the Chicago Bears, though, will struggle at home against the Rams. Jay Cutler needs a pick-me-up and perhaps even a hug. I doubt he gets either this Sunday, but I do think he gets a win.
1: Lions and Bengals.
3: Well, the Bengals need to be careful and avoid another letdown against Detroit. If you remember back a few weeks ago, the Bengals didn't play a full 60 minutes and they led Oakland somehow pull out a win. Last week, Cincinnati handled Cleveland with ease, and I think they'll do the same to the Lions at home.
1: Patriots and Dolphins. So
3: these two teams played each other just a few weeks ago in early November, and it wasn't until late when New England got things going. The game was tied at 17, and then Brady and Moss did what they do best, and that's hooking up for 71-yard touchdown passes. The Patriots are going to need to bounce back after that performance against New Orleans where the Saints kind of took them to the woodshed. I think the Patriots, they get just that. they bounce back and beat Miami
1: Titans and Colts
3: boy this one's tempting it is tempting to roll the dice and pick the Titans who are playing fantastic with Vince Young at quarterback and eventually Manning and the Colts they're going to run out of fourth quarter magic but I just don't see it this weekend in Indianapolis that crowd's going to get into Vince Young's head and if the Colts get out to an early lead on this Titans team I think they get the win I'm going to take the Colts Texans and Jaguars. Well, it's a big time game because Houston they're sitting at 5 and 6, Jacksonville 6 and 5 and both still have hopes of grabbing a wild card spot in the AFC. I think the Texans are the hungrier team because they have the worst record, and a loss would pretty much drop them from playoff contention. I think Matt Schaub and the troops put together a solid effort, and I think they pick up a big win on the road against the Jaguars.
1: Broncos and Chiefs. Well, maybe everything's going to be okay Okay, in Denver after all. The Broncos,
3: you know, they went to that tailspin. They picked up a nice win on Thanksgiving night over the G-Men. Winning at Arrowhead Stadium is never easy, but Denver's been there before. It should They should be able to handle the Chiefs. I'm going to take Denver to win again.
1: The Raiders and the Steelers.
3: Well, Ben Roethlisberger, no Ben Roethlisberger. I, I just don't see Oakland winning at Heinz Field. Plus, it's gut check time for the Steelers. And if they want to make the playoffs, they have to win games against teams like the Oakland Raiders. I think Rashard Mendenhall steps up. I think he gives the Steelers the boost in that running game that they need, and I think the Steelers pick up a win.
1: Saints and Redskins.
3: Well, I've been searching for that game that New Orleans could possibly slip up on, and I've even picked against the Saints a few times only to see them win. I don't know if they're going to lose this year. I really don't. That performance against the Patriots was nothing short of spectacular, and I don't see the Redskins even keeping up. I'm going to take the Saints again, 12-0.
1: The Chargers and the Browns.
3: Yeah, six straight wins for the San Diego Chargers, which is great, but this team has, has peaked in November and December before, so I don't know if I'm ready to sip the uh, North Turner San Diego Charger Kool Aid just yet. They'll have no problem with the Browns this week, but it's going to get a whole lot more interesting in the next three weeks. They've got Dallas, Cincinnati, and Tennessee, but Cleveland's the opponent this Sunday, and I don't think the Chargers have any problem.
2: Cowboys
1: and Giants.
3: Well, this is a must-win for the New York Giants because they cannot afford to fall much further behind Green Bay and Philly in the wild-card race. I think they step up, and I think they beat Dallas at home this Sunday. It is now the month of of December, excuse me. And Tony Romo is five and eight as a starter in the month of December, so we'll see if that slide begins for the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to take the G-men.
1: Niners and Seahawks.
3: The San Francisco 49ers are holding on to a slight hopes that maybe sneaking in the playoffs as a wild card. They are 5-6, and six, two games out, but they have won two of three. But the up-and-down play that's plagued them all year, I think that haunts them at Quest Field. Seattle, they are struggling, but they know San Francisco really well. I think the Seahawks come in with a good game plan, and I think the Seahawks pick up a win.
1: Vikings and Cardinals.
3: Well, Brett Favre's thrown three interceptions this year, just three. Of course, Jake DeLohm has thrown three or more interceptions three times this year. That's absolutely insane. The Vikings, they're playing great football, and they may be the only squad in the NFC capable of knocking off New Orleans right now. I think the Purple Pain train rolls into Arizona, and I think Brett Favre and the Vikings win again.
1: Just like Brian Billick's always saying, it's time for some physicality. Ravens and Packers.
3: Yeah, and both of these teams, they do. They have strong defenses both are scratching for wild card spots I think Green Bay I think they get a little Lambeau magic it's that time of year it's getting cold up in Lambeau I think the Packers pick up the win Green Bay to me they look like a playoff team right now especially where that defense is capable of playing the verdict still out on Baltimore they look good enough to pick up the win against the Steelers but they're gonna have to fight I like Green Bay for the win
1: I think it was Keith Urban who said it tonight I want to cry the Bucks and the Panthers once again
3: Yep. Somebody must win, John. Somebody has to win, and I think it's the Panthers. I don't know. I really don't know. Let me flip a coin. Yeah, tails, Panthers. I'm going to take Carolina.
1: Does somebody really have to win this game?
3: I I, I guess. I I mean, yeah, I I think they have to. They could end in a tie. Let's remember that.
1: Well, Nick, we do appreciate you picking the games for us, and we will continue to keep
2: score. All right. Thanks, John. Are we biased? You better believe it. Welcome back to Cat Crave Radio.
1: Welcome back to the show. I am your host, John White. And we've added a new method for you to stay in touch with us. You can now call us on the Cat Crave Radio hotline. Call 206-350-9673 and leave a message. We'd like to hear your thoughts on the team. You can also talk to us about the show. Good, bad, indifferent. We just want to hear your thoughts. Tell us whatever is on your mind at 206-350-9673. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Rogers dropping, dropping, dropping. Flush, flush, flush. He throws the pass over the
0: middle. It is picked off at the 30. Buccaneers with a football. Tomorrow, Jackson to the 25, to the 20. Jackson to the 15, to the 10. Jackson does not want to go down. Touchdown, Tampa
1: Bay. It's time to hear from our enemies. Representing the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Dustin Staggers of the pewterplank.com. Dustin, thanks for joining us.
4: Pleasure as always.
1: I need to get a boo-hiss thing going there uh, during the introduction. Um, (laughs) I got to ask you first, um, we saw you guys a little while back. You have improved since we saw you in week six. You've had some close losses, one to Miami, one to Atlanta. Do you think that might be a good sign for the Bucks?
4: I guess you could call it a good sign. That I think the post I put up this morning uh, said there's signs of life with our team. My, my issue with the team is we continue to make the same errors every game. We have some poor clock management from our head coach. We have some poor timeout management from our head coach. We seem to abandon game plans, once again, from the head coach. But since you last saw us, we've started our first round pick josh freeman and he's had some up and ups and downs but he's certainly shown that he might be able to be a quality nfl quarterback
1: but what do you think about him i mean since he took over and that seems to be the biggest change they've made in the lineup do you think he's the long-term answer for you
4: at this point, I don't see how he couldn't be the long-term answer. You know, I have, I have some fundamental issues with, with his accuracy. He wasn't an accurate college football quarterback. Yesterday he was twenty for 29 so some people might not uh, really like my accuracy comments. But I think that he lacks touch on short balls, on screens, on bubble screens, on wide receiver screens. And, and in today's NFL, unless you're playing for the Raiders, throwing the ball downfield every play, it isn't really what the offenses are cut out to be these days he's big enough he he's so big and has such a big arm that I think every game he's capable of making a splash play a 70 yard touchdown pass a scr- yesterday he scrambled he, he scrambled out of the pocket pushed John Abraham down and rolled out for nine yards for a first down I think he has a capability to do that every single game but in the long run with some film I question his his accuracy and his short yardage ability and let's be, let's be honest that's what today's NFL revolves around offensively
1: before we started you compared him to somebody who was that
4: yes he's, uh, he reminds me so much of Dante Culpepper um Ouch. you know with a big play wide receiver that he could chuck the ball down the field to has a, it just he has a chance to put up some numbers but you know what ultimately doomed Dante was well, his short yardage. Well, it was his accuracy in short yardage situations. And, I, and I just, it, it's just eerily similar to me, the size. And when I watched Freeman, you know, multiple out of his nine incompletes yesterday, I would imagine that at least seven of them were in short yardage situations. A couple screens that he just threw over the head of receivers. Um, a couple short little five to seven yard outs or ins that he just completely threw behind or in front of the receiver. And it's just very eerily reminiscent to Dante Culpepper for me. Dante Culpepper did have an MVP caliber season so so some people might like that comparison but looking a little bit deeper as to what ultimately doomed Dante Culpepper being his accuracy, I'm scared that that's what Freeman reminds me of.
1: They finally pulled the plug on the other Josh, went with Josh 2 at quarterback. What other changes besides that change at the signal caller spot can we Expect to see from the team that we haven't seen since week six?
4: Well, you know, since the last time we played you, we fired another coordinator, um, defensive coordinator Jim Bates. Um, Who? rightly more hired to instill install a different defense than what you know the Bucks have been known for for the last fifteen years. The Tampa two wanted to install a more physical four three man style man to man defense from the corners system. I guess ten weeks through the season, he realized that our personnel didn't fit. That system whatsoever, really, other than a kid to leave, we don't really have anybody who can play that kind of bump-and-run coverage. So we kind of yesterday reverted back to a more traditional Tampa 2 defense. Um, we looked good at times yesterday playing our old-school Tampa 2 defense. I don't know how old old school we can call it. It's only, you know, 11 weeks old. But um, we generated some pressure on the quarterback. Our linebackers, our young linebackers, Geno Hayes and Quincy Black, looked a little more comfortable playing coverage in the middle and the sidelines of the field than they did guarding tight ends right over the top of tight ends. They looked a little more comfortable and a little more at ease yesterday.
1: Well now we probably I'm 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 gonna guess here. This is just a guess. We probably neither one will go into this game with a whole lot of confidence. The Panthers are struggling. The Bucks have had a rough year. I mean both teams are just, you know, either maddeningly bad or they look good at times. So, here's your chance. Let's hear your prediction for the game.
4: Oh, well, you know, this is going to be the second time this year that I predict a Panthers victory over the Bucks, which I don't think I've ever done on your show any previous years past, but I like both teams' ability to score the ball a little bit against each other. Maybe not against anybody else, but against each other, I like their ability to score the ball. I'm going to go 28-21 Panthers, and that's... Once again, it's painful to do.
1: Well, I have lived all these years just long enough to be able to say this to a Buccaneers fan, and I know what you guys are going through, but just to know, and we all here know how bad things are going in Tampa Bay, but I can finally just say, well, God bless you. <laughs> <laughs>
4: You know, it's funny when you started out and said our arch enemy. I was thinking, man, I didn't even realize at this point that that we had any archenemies with with how abysmal our team looks this year. I just I kind of find it hard to have enemies, but I guess if there were to be one, it would be Panther fans.
1: Absolutely. Well, Dustin, we <laughs> do appreciate you being with us. Dustin Staggers, uh, lead writer over at theputerplank.com. dot Thanks again, Dustin.
4: Thanks a lot,
2: John. I appreciate it. It's Minter at the 30, he's to the 20, cuts outside at the 15, Minter to the 10, Minute to the 5, touchdown! It's time now for the Minterview. Here comes the, ready
4: and now, here comes the voice the sound.
2: We are joined now by
1: legendary Carolina Panther, Mike Minter. Mike, thanks for joining us.
0: No, thanks for having me, John.
1: Okay, Mike, we've seen this season go about as badly as it could. I mean, well, you know, maybe we could be winless, but one of the problems we've seen is at least the one big question that keeps coming up, and that's about Jake, and maybe what's wrong with Jake. And I I guess if we were going to try and diagnose an issue there, I'd have to ask you this. Uh, as a former safety, if you were about to face Jake DeLome, how would you defend him? I mean, what do you see that you could take advantage of against him?
0: Well, I, I think the, the biggest thing, John, is really, um, when you look at a quarterback like Jake, who's really throwing the ball over his intended receiver. And so what I would do is, is first tell him, tell myself, and then tell the other guys, just be in position. And he will throw you the ball because his ball is selling over the head of the intended receiver. So, that's what I would say. I, I would say you, you wouldn't have to really, you know, cheat. All you have to do is just be in position. And um, if you're in position, you can make some plays. The other thing I would say is is that get some pressure on him um, early on. Get him out of his game. Don't let him feel comfortable because Jake, when he gets comfortable, he plays a better game. And so early on, you must get some hits on him and get some stats so you let him know that, that um, your line is not going to be able to protect you today. And that seems to, to bother him, you know, more and more as the season um, goes goes on. So those are the two things that I would say that's how you play a Jake DeLone is you put pressure on him early and, and, and let him know that you're going you're gonna to be there. And then, you know, secondly, you know, you stay in your position. Don't get out of position because the ball is coming to you.
1: Do you see anything, I mean, is a defense, like if, if you're studying film, of an opponent, are you looking at, would you ever, I know you want to see how they're lining up, what they normally do, what their tendencies are, but are you watching a player and his technique to see what you can get out of that, that you can take advantage of? I mean, would you see anything with Jake like that?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's, you know, again, that's what I just told you. I'm watching him for the last, you know, 11 games and even some in the preseason what you see, you see a quarterback that that is, you know, overthrowing his receivers. And so if they overthrow them, then, you know, you have the safety. If you stay deep in the middle, you can break on them balls and get you some interceptions. And, and and really, if you look at all Jake's interceptions across the middle of the field, what's going on? The overthrowing guys, and they're throwing it right into the safety hand. You know, you look at the Buffalo game, um, the safety, we had two picks. I mean, again, he, he's just overthrowing his guys, and the safety just breaking on the on the on the overthrown ball. I think when you look at a guy on film, you can always see tendencies. You can all I mean, because we're all human, and we all have tendencies, and so it's easy to to uh, break that down and take advantage of those tendencies. Just like you know, the offense is going to be looking at DBs and their tendencies. I mean, this guy loves to jump an out route. So guess what? We're going to put an out and up on him. Okay, so you you always looking at tendencies with guys and, and always trying to get that
1: advantage. Well, there's something, too, that seems kind of odd to me. And, I, I mean, none of us are getting any younger. We all know that. But, let's see, Moose is 37, and, you know, this may be his last year. We can look at Moose, but for Smitty, this problem, it seems to be, some of it looks like they're not getting separation from from the corners. Does I mean, would that be a concern for you? Is there, do you see him maybe losing a step? I mean, is Smitty just not quite as quick as he used to be?
0: Well, you know what? I mean, you, like you said, I mean, once you begin to get older in this league, nine, ten years in this league, you know, move 14, I mean, it, it, it's inevitable. You're going to slow down. You're not going to be as explosive. And on top of that, you playing against younger guys who are fast, who are explosive, so it makes you look slower, you know. Um, so I think it's a you know two edged sword uh, sword with that deal. When when you start looking at the fact of you getting older and you playing against younger people, that's why I tell people all the time the NFL is for young guys, okay, and and the older guys and the guys that's been there a while, you know what. As soon as you get to that age, hey, they gotta replace you because of that right there. The fact that people is getting faster over the years, as you know, as we continue to move into this NFL stuff, and and then you you throw in the fact that you're getting older. So guys are not getting the separation. You know, people looking at the tendencies of what Steve Smith beat you at, but you know this corner that played against Steve Smith last game, I mean, this guy is unbelievable. I mean, you've got to realize he's 23, 24 years old. <laughs> he's running around, you know, with all the energy and all the speed that you can have. And so it's pretty tough to be able to separate from these guys. And that's why I really felt that the Panthers, if you're going to look at a mistake, I felt like the mistake was not getting younger and faster at the receiver core. Even if you brought in three, four fast guys, that they were fast and they could make some plays. That's what you need, man. I mean, you need that today because if you look at the the great teams, you look at um, the Indianapolis Colts, the New Orleans Saints, the New England Patriots, you know, the, the, the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, they don't have one receiver where they always go to. They got three, four, five of them that they can get the ball to. That's what you got to have today. It's no longer the day of, let me have one dominant receiver and let me have a number two that can complement that dominant receiver and maybe a number three. That, that's no longer the case anymore. You, because of the defense and how the defense has speeded up and the linebackers are fast now, you better have you, you know, four or five receivers that can get it done.
1: This team now, four and seven, probably out of the playoffs, almost definitely out now. But, you know, the odd thing is a year ago today, they were eight and three, and that's a pretty big change. I mean, a four-game switch. But I know that this season has—we've seen some major injuries from Gross to Thomas Davis to Chemo. But even though they're dealing with the injuries, I know the mantra in the NFL has always been—you know—the next guy always has to step up. But at what point? I mean, in that locker room, does it kind of start to spread? Like, well maybe this is kind of pointless and, you know, maybe not necessarily throwing in the towel, but there's really no point to all this anymore. You know, I'm just going to play. I mean, when did they finally reach that that point of the season?
0: Well, I can tell you right now, they're at that point right now where they're talking about, um, you know, we, we got to go out there and just play. We ain't, we're we not playing for anything as far as the playoffs or the championship. What we're playing for is our jobs and, and the fact of, saying, you know what, I want to be on this football team next year. That's what you're playing for, and so you know, when guys get to that point what you begin to see is is who really want to be here, who really want to play football, who loves the game because when you don't have anything else to play for but pride, then you begin to see who really in it to play football, and and that's what you'll see. You'll see the younger guys they'll get the opportunity. Basically you have, you know, four games of preseason left, okay, and 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 basically these preseason games is to audition for for a spot next year on this football team.
1: Now, i got to say, people might be listening who don't know this, but we're not just talking to Mike Minner, the legendary Panther, but also now the head coach at First Assembly, the state champions... High school champions, I wanted to congratulate you because, I mean, I know that you had trouble getting the big guys to come and play you, but you finally proved undefeated. You guys, you got it done.
0: Well, thank you, John. I appreciate that. I mean, these guys really fall hard all season long. You know what? We had our our, our mantra um, all season long was close the deal. And, you know, that meant, you know, go all the way through the game and, and close it, all the way through the season and close it. And these guys, they believed it, and and uh, and went out there and, and and dominated the season. And so I'm so proud of of um, how hard they worked in the off season, because I believe the championship is won in the off season. And and um, I'm so proud of these guys. And and um, you know now my my mold is is trying to help you know my seniors who want to play um, college football is to get them a scholarship. And so that's that's what we're focusing on right now, but. Thank you, uh, you know, for for uh, mentioning that and and uh, really giving you know these kids some some uh, recognition for what they did.
1: Well, I think the kids are they they are really lucky. They're fortunate to have you there with them. And uh, and and again, congratulations and uh, Mike, we appreciate you being with us and taking time out of your schedule to uh, to talk some football with us. Thank you. I got a question. What is there to feel good about? Seriously. Watching this team this season has been enough to drive a fan nuts. Consider how good they looked beating Arizona on their turf. That doesn't stick with you long, since you also have to consider how they lost to Buffalo, a game they should have easily won, how they handed a game to Dallas, the lost opportunity against the Saints, how they managed to get outsmarted and outcoached against Miami, and the pathetic performance they just put up against the Jets. Some might say that I'm being a pessimist. I say I'm being a realist. There's a difference, even though it's a fine line. With Jake <clears throat> hurt and Matt Moore likely starting, at least we'll get to see what the kid can do this week versus the Bucks. I got a feeling having Maddie out there will be the motivation the coaches need to hand off to D'Angelo and Jonathan a little more than usual. Let's just hope the O-line has rediscovered how to run block something they didn't do against New York. Look, I don't have a good feeling about this team, and I don't know that they will feel like there's anything to play for. This one will be closer than it should be, like so many other games the Panthers have played this season, including their Week 6 win in Tampa. Look, call me a non-believer. In a crushing defeat that officially and painfully puts the 9 season to rest, Tampa Bay 24, Carolina 17. My thanks to Tom Sorensen for joining us this week. Tom's columns can be found online and in the printed version of the Charlotte Observer. Our appreciation to Dustin Staggers for his input on the enemy segment. Dustin's work is located at thepeterplank.com. As always, my thanks to Mike Mentor for being a part of the show. Mike, you are a scholar and a gentleman. And, you know, I won't leave Mr. Awesome Nick Yeoman out. Be sure to check out his videos on YouTube by searching for Big Nick 2700. Nick, the show would not be the same without you, big guy. In fact, it'd likely be a lot less awesome. And be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Yes, it's all fixed. We're up and running again. And while you're there, don't be shy. Add us a review. Tell us what you think of our little show. And because we're all over the place, give us a follow on Twitter. The link is twitter.com slash catcraveradio. I'm John White. Thanks for listening. We hope to be back inside of your listening device once again next week with another
2: edition of Cat Crave Radio. In a world dominated by media giants and conglomerates, there is a little show that dares to reach for greatness. And we promise to keep preaching as long as there's someone listening. Never fear, CCR will return. Your Panthers crew will return in one week with another assault on the World Wide Web. All material copyright 2009, Cat Crave Radio. Stand and cheer
0: for the Panthers in our grand old name. Nothing could be finer than to be in Carolina for a Panther football game.
5: Be
0: finer than to be in Carolina for a Carolina Panther!